0: The CBS Radio Mystery Theater
1: presents... (laughs) Welcome.
0: Come in. I'm Tammy Grimes. Thou shalt not kill... Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not commit adultery. The language of the Ten Commandments. How clear. How concise. How unequivocally stated. They say what they mean. They mean what they say. And there's absolutely no room for maneuver. And then we come to the Ninth Commandment. Thou shalt not bear false witness... There are those, I'm sorry to say, who try to get around it by bearing no witness at all.
2: They've got you, Dick. The jury won't even have to leave the box. But I'm innocent. I didn't kill her. You were in the house. Not at the time of the murder. Where were you? I was with somebody. Well, then you've got an alibi. No, I don't. But if you were with somebody... I can't ask her to testify. But your life... I can't ask her. You mean... You'd rather be executed for a murder you didn't commit. Yes.
0: Our mystery drama, The Ninth Commandment, was written especially for the Mystery Theater by Sam Dan, and stars Terry Keane and Michael Tolan. I'll be back shortly with Act One. Love, they say, laughs at locksmiths. Well, burglars also laugh at locksmiths. And these days, they seem to be laughing louder than ever. Time was when a solid iron lock in a stout, oaken door could keep one safe from all manner of human predators. But today, no lock devised is proof against our modern, well-equipped burglar. So then, we have Elisa Traymore. Mrs. George Philip Tramore, who lives in Ayla Towers, an apartment building that is the ultimate in luxury. Mrs. Tramore is protected by a small army of doormen, elevator operators, armed guards, closed-circuit TV. So, all of that being true, how did an unannounced visitor get into a bedroom? How did you get in here?
2: I'm, uh, I'm sorry, I... I didn't mean to wake you. Who are you? Who do you think I am?
1: You're... You're a thief.
2: You say that word with such obvious distaste. Why? Why? Doesn't the word thief describe your own husband? How dare you? He's very rich, isn't he? Do you know what Balzac said about great wealth?
1: What would someone like you know about Balzac?
2: I read every word he ever wrote. Yes,
1: most likely in jail.
2: No, at Yale. You attended Yale University? I was graduated magna cum laude.
1: Oh, and this is the best
2: you can do? Steal? I steal no more and considerably less than many of my former classmates, who are now bankers and brokers, lawyers and politicians. But getting back to Balzac, have you ever read him?
1: I'm sorry, no.
2: But as I passed through your library, I, I noticed his collected works.
1: One does not actually read Balzac or de Bonfassant or Galsworthy. One merely displays them.
2: At any rate, Balzac said that behind every great fortune is a great crime.
1: That's probably true.
2: What sort of crime did your husband commit?
1: George? I don't think he committed any. He inherited all his money.
2: His father, then?
1: His father, too, and also his grandfather. I would say it goes back at least four or five generations... I understand they owned slave ships and were engaged in other
2: equally unsavory ventures. And since then, the family has been atoning for it by frantically applying itself to good works.
1: But you are actually a robber.
2: Oh, no. I'm a burglar.
1: What is the difference?
2: Burglary is usually quiet, unobserved, and rather impersonal. Whereas robbery generally implies the use of intimidation or force.
1: In either case, what do you want?
2: Your rings, your bracelets, your pearl necklace, your brooch. (laughs) Did you think I'd be foolish enough to keep them here? They're in the vault. You wore them tonight at a dinner party. And there they are on your dressing table. May I have them? No. Oh, please, be reasonable. Reasonable? You break into my home and demand my property. I make no demand. I merely request.
1: And if I refuse... Shall you shoot me?
2: How? I never carry a gun.
1: Oh, a knife. Oh, that would be even worse.
2: I never carry a weapon of any sort.
1: As a a man of your size, your build, I guess you wouldn't have to. You could probably crush the life of... My
2: dear Mrs. Traymore, the only time I ever place my hand on a woman is at her invitation.
1: What would you do if I picked up the telephone?
2: I would leave... I never met a burglar like you. How many burglars have you met? Well, none. May I
1: ask your name? Why? Well, you know mine.
2: I am Richard Scott at your service.
1: Richard Scott, your friendly burglar. Tell me, are you this sociable with all your clients?
2: I usually arrange matters so that I never meet them. However, Yes? I uh, must be losing my touch. You're my second disaster of the evening. Disaster? Uh, speaking from purely a professional point of view, this has hardly been an artistic performance. After all, I awakened you, and that was my second mistake.
1: And your first?
2: I violated a cardinal commandment of the profession. Do not grift on the way in or on the way out grift? Steal. In other words, restrict yourself to one job at a time. This evening, I was distracted. By what? On my way to your apartment, I paused at the door of the Mrs. Comedy Grenville. Oh, my. Well, that is wealth. She has a Cellini cup, they say. Yes, I've heard of it. It's a fake. No. My dear Alicia, I examined it minutely. Please accept my word.
1: Uh, And the rest of her things?
2: The woman's a fraud.
1: And you were actually in her apartment?
2: Yeah, it is now midnight. I was there exactly one hour ago.
1: Well, Dick... Do you mind if I call you Dick? It's more in keeping with your profession. So many highwaymen were known as Dick. It has a romantic ring.
2: Then I shall call you Alicia.
1: Practically no one else does.
2: What do they call you? Oh, Alice. Or Lish. Do you encourage it? Yes, now that you mention it. Why do you object to Alicia? It sounds so formal. Do you know what Alicia means?
1: Yes. It comes from the Greek word truth.
2: That, of course, is the basis of your objection.
1: What are you saying?
2: I'm saying that you are in rebellion.
1: Against what? The truth. And what is the truth?
2: The truth is that you're a woman of brains, ability, and brilliance. And what is your husband? A stuffed shirt. But he's a nice stuffed shirt. Is nice enough for you? Please leave. As you request, madam. Good night. Uh,
1: Wait, no. uh... (laughs) There's no need for me to be discourteous or inhospitable. I have never yet ordered a guest out of my home.
2: Is that what I am? A guest? I don't know. What are you? A burglar. A failed burglar. Why? You seem to
1: radiate success.
2: I've come here to steal your treasures. But the greatest one of them all will escape me.
1: And what is that? Your beauty. What?
2: Your magnificent, radiant beauty.
1: I, uh... I wish you would leave.
2: Of course. Good night. Or, uh... Good morning.
1: Uh, No, uh, wait. Look, I... I'm frightened.
2: Why? I told you I was unarmed.
1: That isn't true. Your smile. Yes. Devastating. It can warm the heart and at the same time... freeze the marrow of the bones.
2: Please don't be frightened.
1: Just before you said you had awakened me... Surely someone like you, who is so aware of the subtleties of language, must realize what that implies. Yes. It does not mean that you had merely roused me from slumber, but that you had awakened me to the possibilities of life.
2: And are you awake now? Yes. Shall I leave? No. Perhaps I'd better. Why? Where do we go from here?
1: Why do we have to go anywhere?
2: Because this is his house. Oh. I see. I don't think I could be like the others.
1: The others?
2: Were there others? Oh, no, please forgive me. I... I had no right to ask.
1: I have been lonely... All my married life. You have no idea how busy a man like my husband can be.
2: I look at you and I see how foolish a man like your husband can be.
1: Don't leave, please.
2: I won't leave, Alicia. I won't leave. Am I late, Alice? (laughs) Alice. Is there something funny? Call me Alicia. I like that better. But you always hated Alicia. I remember we were children. I could always get a rise out of you by Come, calling... Come, little brother. Sit down. Lunch is ready. Well, why did you have to go to the trouble, huh? We could have gone I out I wanted privacy. Oh? Really? Yes. Hmm. Well, I must say, you look wonderful. Thank you. There is a spring in your step and a sparkle in your eye and a color in your cheek. If I didn't know better, I'd say that, uh... You'd say what? Uh, well, I would say that either you've just fallen in love with your husband, or, uh, more likely you're having an affair.
1: Joseph, you were always an insufferable little brat, and now that you're a doctor, you're
2: absolutely impossible. Do I know him?
1: I hardly know him myself.
2: Oh, and you're in love.
1: Completely, utterly, hopelessly in love.
2: Well, I must say, you look it. <laughs> You mean it's visible? To me, yes, I know the signs. Dick has completely changed Oh, his name is Dick. Well, tell No,
1: me. no, that's all you'll get out of me. Well, what
2: about him? Oh, Joe. I love him. How long have you known him?
1: Hmm? Uh what time is it now? Do you mean you mean you just met him? Oh, I've been aware of him all my life. What does that mean? It means I always knew what I wanted him to be. Oh. Therefore, when he appeared, finally, he was not a stranger. What does he do? I can't tell you that just yet.
2: And what do you want to do? Marry him. Do you intend to ask George for a divorce? Yes. When? Now. Oh, well, isn't this rather
1: sudden? Joe, I am 45. Every day is important, Jesus. precious.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I suppose that uh, the timing is rather inconvenient. For whom? Well, it would be awkward for George to be divorced while he is seeking the nomination.
1: Joe, I married George 20 years ago. During all that time, I didn't take a single breath without ascertaining first whether or not it would be convenient for Georgie.
2: Alice... We owe a great deal to George. I owe him nothing. Look at all he's given you. A magnificent home, a place in society. But he
1: couldn't give what I always wanted.
2: Love. Oh, Alice, you have what you really want.
1: You know why I married George. Alice? And if you've forgotten, permit me to refresh your memory. Our beloved father drank himself to death
2: Alice, he was a sick man He
1: had squandered every dime Mother left
2: us He made what he thought were
1: sound investments. Olivia was 15, you were 17 You wanted college and medical school I was making $100 a week as George's secretary Alice, the truth I is... I married that... George because our beloved father made me swear on his deathbed that I would look after you Well, I did And you're a doctor. And Olivia is an interior designer. And I am nobody.
2: You are the wife of one of the most prominent and wealthy men in the state.
1: Ah, yes. The wife of. The consort of. The appendage of. But I have more ability. More brains. More brilliance. He's nothing but a stuffed shirt and you know it. All right, Alice. Look, I understand your attitude. It was George's money that made you a doctor. I know where your loyalties lie. I don't
2: want you to make a catastrophic mistake.
1: Well, don't you worry about me.
2: Why not? Haven't I heard this story before, huh?
1: But this time it's different.
2: Yes, 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 yes. There was was Bob Nevins and Ken Fremont, and you were madly in love with them, too, and how many others that I don't even know about? Dick is different. Let me help you, Alice. You have exactly what you want right now. Now, you didn't marry George to help me and Olivia. You married him because you wanted to be wealthy, socially prominent. You wanted to be Mrs. George Philip Tremor. And you've got to face it. Don't you dare psychoanalyze me. Why not? I'm a psychiatrist. And a good one. Yes, thanks to me. Yes, thanks to you. So let me pay you back. Let me help you rid yourself of these fantasies. Yes? I beg your pardon, madam. What is it, Clayton? A police officer wishes to speak with you. With me? Yes, madam. With you.
0: A police officer wishes to speak with you. Such a line is always filled with foreboding. Especially when it is spoken by an English butler. Well, what can a police officer want with socially prominent Mrs. George Philip Traymore? Of course, he could be here to sell her tickets to the policeman's ball. But somehow, I doubt it. At two approaches shortly. There is something about the policeman's knock on the door that can chill the blood. Even in happy countries like our own, where we, not the police, are the masters of our society... Even if we are innocent, isn't it true that our pulses beat just a tiny bit quicker? Mrs. George Philip Traymore has only been guilty of an indiscretion. Certainly nothing that would be the affair of the police. But are we getting
2: ahead of ourselves? Uh, Mrs. Traymore, I'm Lieutenant Kaplan of the Homicide Division.
1: Homicide? Oh, uh, excuse me. This gentleman is my brother, Dr. Bennett.
2: Uh, How do you do, doctor? Uh, Mrs. Traymore, did you know a Mrs. Carmody Grenville?
1: I believe she's the lady who lives downstairs. Why do you ask, did I know her? Because she's dead. No.
2: Yes, she was murdered last night by a burglar. You,
1: You mean... A robber, don't you, Captain?
2: Well, it's only a theoretical distinction.
1: Yes, but a burglar would be less likely to commit a murder, wouldn't he?
2: A robber, burglar, how many angels can dance on the head of a pin? All I know is we had an intruder and a murder.
1: She was murdered last night?
2: Yes, Mrs. Traymore. And what I'm trying to find out... At what time? Well, the coroner says it's 3 a.m. Oh, Uh, that's... Uh. That's what, Mrs. Tramore. Oh, you're
1: sure it was 3 a.m.? It, it couldn't have been earlier.
2: Earlier?
1: We'll say sometime before midnight. Why? Why? No, I don't know. I'm just curious.
2: Well, you not only got the medical evidence, but a little clock that was on her bedside table had been knocked off onto the floor and had stopped at exactly a minute before three. Well, I'm making rounds of the building to find out if somebody might have seen or heard anything at around three last night. Well, at
1: three, I believe I was sound asleep.
2: Was there anyone else in the apartment?
1: Anyone else? No, no. Uh, my husband is on the West Coast attending political meetings. Oh,
2: yes, Mrs. Tramore. And may I say that he is a great man.
1: Well, thank you, Lieutenant.
2: Now, you were all alone then?
1: Yes. Uh, the servants don't sleep
2: in. Uh, well, thank you, Mantha. I'm sorry I inconvenienced
1: you. It's quite all right.
2: Well, goodbye, Mrs. Traymore. Dr. Bennett, I uh, certainly hope Mr. Tramore gets that nomination.
1: <laughs> goodbye. Oh, that was a relief. What did you say?
2: Oh, it's nothing. No, 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 that's not true. You said it was a relief. Why? What does the murder of this woman mean to you, huh? Why did you make an issue over the time of her death, huh? I wasn't aware that I was making an issue. Why were you so relieved when the time was pinpointed at 3 a.m.? My dear brother, you're imagining things. All right, all right, all right, all right. Let's get back to our uh, original topic of conversation.
1: Oh, Joe. I am in love for the very first time in my life and absolutely nothing shall stand in the way of my happiness.
2: I've heard that speech before. But
1: this time I mean it. I'll get it. Hello?
2: Hello, Alicia. Darling. Is it still darling?
1: You know it is.
2: Will I see you at four?
1: Absolutely nothing could keep me away.
2: Are you going to talk to your husband?
1: Of course. When? Well, when I see him. Meanwhile, I shall see you at four.
2: Until four, then. I love you. Goodbye.
1: And I love you. Goodbye.
2: Well, I could tell who that was. How very astute. And suddenly, I feel better. <laughs> Why? The tone in your voice. What about it? You know what it tells me? Enlighten me. Well, at first, I was frightened you might be serious and destroy yourself. But I hear every little nuance, and now I'm certain that this is just another little flame. Little brother, you don't know everything.
1: And when it comes to me, you don't
2: know anything. Just a minute. My darling, you're... Oh, hello, Dick. I uh, guess you weren't expecting me. No, Lieutenant. Well, may I come in? Must you? I have made plans to entertain a lady. Yeah, afraid you're just going to have to change him. Why? Dick, I can't believe it. What can't you believe, Kaplan? Well, uh, first, I have to read you your right. Consider it done. Well, then, let's talk off the record, huh? About what? Dick... We're two of a trade. Uh, We're on opposite sides of the fence, but still... uh... What's the problem, Kaplan? When I was with Loft and Burglary, I got to know you pretty well. I respected you as a gentleman. You were only after the merchandise. You never laid a hand on anybody. So tell me, Dick, what happened to you this time, huh? Why did you kill her? Kill who? Ah, come on, don't play the dummy with me, Dick. I'm not wired or anything. I just want to know for myself. Why did you kill that Mrs. Comedy Grenville? Listen, I didn't kill anybody. You were there, Dick. We got your fingerprints. On that cup. On that phony Cellini cup. Oh, how could I have been so stupid? Yeah, I was there at eleven forty PM. You admit it? How can I deny it? I heard about that cup. It's what I came for. Where was she? Fast asleep. The cup just didn't seem right. I had to feel it, so I took off my glove. One touch, and I knew it was a fake. Since that was what I came for, I got out of there. And you knew you were leaving your fingerprints on the cup, huh? Yeah, but since there wasn't going to be a robbery, who would ever... Oh, I just wasn't thinking. Maybe I'm getting older, clumsier. You left the apartment without waking her? It couldn't have been more than a quarter to twelve. Twelve. What must have happened, some hoodlum must have blundered in there hours later and had to kill her. You left at a quarter to midnight? Yes. And you never went back, huh? No. Where'd you go? I was with a lady. For how long? From about midnight till 4.30... Well, that's a tough story to swallow Now, you say you were there earlier But you did nothing You left your fingerprints accidentally And then some killer just happens to come in later It's true Uh, Yeah, I guess your fabulous luck still holds You have got an alibi An alibi? Yeah Well, the murder was committed at 3 a.m. And at that moment you were with this lady And all she has to do is Testify? Testify Hmm. Knowing your taste in women, I'm sure she's a classy lady. And that no jury would ever dream of doubting her word. But I can't ask her to testify. Why not? Oh, yeah, she's married, huh? That's part of it. Dick, all I can say is that without that alibi, they got you for murder during the commission of a felony. And a death penalty is getting popular again. Dick... She has to testify. Or oh, do you know good ringing the bell, lady? Oh,
1: uh, are you the superintendent?
2: No, they don't pay me enough for that. I'm just the janitor.
1: Oh, I'm looking for um, Mr. Dick Scott. He doesn't seem to be in. That's right. I had an appointment to meet him here.
2: I don't think he's going to make it. Why not? Because he left here half hour ago with a guy that looked like a cop. A cop? I can always tell a cop. Why did he leave it with, with a, a cop? Look, either it's something serious yes. or it's nothing. If it's nothing, he'll be back. If it's serious, you'll read about it in the papers. Alice, have you heard the news? What news, Joe? They've caught the killer. What killer? Uh, the killer of poor Mrs. Carmody Grenville. Oh. It's in the papers. Fantastic police work. Uh, the arrest was made by the detective who was up here this morning, uh, Lieutenant Kaplan. Joe, I was thinking about what we were discussing
1: earlier. Oh, huh? yes? There could be something to what you were saying.
2: Oh, I was pretty rough on
1: you. Well, I wouldn't have taken it from anybody else. But yes... Perhaps I felt cheated and I wanted a kind of wild, exciting love affair. George, as you can imagine, is so staid, so placid. This new man... Uh, Dick? Yes. He's exciting, stimulating, but I don't know if I care to see him again. And besides, if I walked out on George, he would behave badly. Uh, Yes, I'm sure he would. He has all the money. I never took advantage of my position as his wife to feather my nest, so to speak. Since
2: I would want the divorce, I would get nothing. No, no, George would never let you starve. And besides, Olivia and I owe you more than we could ever repay.
1: But I couldn't live in the manner to which I'm afraid I have grown accustomed. Do I sound mercenary?
2: No, 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 You sound extremely practical. Well, what happens to our friend Dick, huh?
1: Well, what happened to Ken Fremont and Bob Nevins... and a few others you don't know about? It was wonderful while it lasted, but it didn't last
2: long. If only George would pay more attention to you, spend more time...
1: Well, you're his psychiatrist. Why don't you suggest it to him? Uh,
2: I already have. And? Well, next week he'll start campaigning seriously you'll travel together a great deal, and you're going to be a tremendous asset to him. Do you really think so? <laughs> An attractive wife never heard a candidate. Actually, you're one of the reasons the party chiefs are taking him seriously. I tell you, Alice, you will be coming into your own. Oh, at last. Oh, got any plans for dinner?
1: I think I'll spend a quiet evening at home.
2: Well, I feel better about everything. <laughs> now that the murder has been caught...
1: Oh, you say it's in the paper? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even his picture here. Take a look. What? Huh. Him? Yeah.
2: He is the killer? Yeah, they really got him. I must say he's the handsomest killer I ever saw. Well, what do you think? Alice? Alicia?
0: What is she thinking? Right now. What she is thinking could very well be a matter of life and death, as far as Mr. Dick Scott is concerned. Her course of action should be crystal clear. She holds his life in her hands. How easy it would be for her to drop it. But this type of decision, as you know, is always reserved for the third act. Philosopher remarked Truth is always in short supply, and that is why it is used sparingly. Perhaps that is why it is encountered so seldom. Therefore, since it is such a rare commodity, many of us have trouble recognizing it when we are presented with it. When we say truth is stranger than fiction, what we are actually saying is that truth is often a stranger to us. While fiction
2: is a familiar. Alice, this detective who was up here this morning, uh, he made the arrest. Now, I liked him. He seemed to be a man who knew his business. Now, do you see what it says? Dick Scott, well-known burglar, was charged with the murder But of... that can't
1: be. Well, it
2: is. His fingerprints were found in the apartment. No.
1: Now, he didn't do
2: it. What are you saying? I'm saying that he didn't do it. How do you know? Be- because. <sighs> yes, because he's so good-looking. Yeah, I see. He's too handsome to be a murderer, is that it?
1: I'm just saying that he...
2: You're you're really upset, aren't you? Why? How can they be sure? Read what it says about his fingerprints. What does that prove? Well, it proves he was in the apartment. But that doesn't prove that he he committed the murder. Well, then, who
1: did? Well, obviously someone came in after he left and...
2: Obviously? Uh, Yes. What's the matter with you, Alice? With me? Yes. This murder's done something to you 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 spoke to the detective in such a strange way And now you're carrying on as if as, as, What is it? The, what can they do to this man? They can prove that he was in her apartment And unless he can prove that he wasn't at the time of the murder Then How
1: How could he prove he wasn't there?
2: Well, he would have to be able to prove that he was somewhere else Oh th- th- Why are we talking about it, huh? Why? Yes, and so seriously, too. I I don't know. I just... Shall I tell you? You're in love with this man.
1: I'm in love with him? How do you...
2: I saw your face as you looked at his picture in the paper. Oh, yes, my dear sister. Right then and there you were smitten. What are you saying? You always fall in love. Or, or should I say, you become infatuated with a definite type. Now, look, look closely at this photograph again. Go on, go on, go ahead. Why? Well, isn't that a familiar face? Familiar? Yes. He looks just like Bob Nevin and Ken Fremont. They all have the same bold eyes, the same strong features, the same devil-may-care look about them. Now, this fellow's definitely your type. Well, you won't have any time for these flirtations from now on. You'll be hitting the campaign trail with George, and that's going to keep you busy day and night. Joe, hmm? what you're saying is this Dick Scott, he
1: he needs an alibi. Well,
2: nothing else can save him.
1: Joe, listen to me.
2: What is it? I... I... Yes. What are you trying to tell me? Nothing. Nothing. Dick, Hello, Kaplan. What are you doing here? Dick, you don't have a chance. You made the collar. You're out of it. I am here as a friend. In an odd sort of way, I suppose we are friends. I know that you are innocent. Do you? You are not a killer. Would you tell that to the jury? Yes, well, I would testify it would do you any good. That would make a headline. Arresting officer insists the defendant is innocent Well, the jury would never believe it Dick, you have got to produce this woman I can't She's the only one that can get you off the hook I know This woman has got to look those jurors in the eye And say at 3 a.m. the morning of May 15th Dick Scott was with me And you're acquitted Now, ask her to do it I can't ask her Why not? Because it's no good if I have to ask her. Oh, and now... She's must... aware of the spot I'm in. She knows what I need. You can make her do it. Can I? Oh, yeah. She can be subpoenaed. And suppose she denies it? Well, then at least you can have the satisfaction of knowing that you made her commit perjury. Why are you so upset, Captain? I am. Because she's throwing your life away. And it's not right. And it is not justice. She'd be ruined if she appeared in court. I understand that. Oh, you do? Well, I don't. You're not in love with her. I am. Uh-huh. So that's how it's going to be, huh? She's made her choice. And I'll have to live with it. You mean... die with it? Uh, wh- 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 where's George, Alicia?
1: He's attending a meeting of governors or senators. Uh, I forget which. Oh, Joe. It's good of you to come out here.
2: You look tired. What's the matter, Alice? Uh, the matter? Yes, yeah, I saw you on the TV, and I, I didn't like that look in your face. Why? Well, everybody says I look wonderful. Well, you're very troubled, Alice. Ah, oh, yes, I see. What? You have all the newspapers and face-up are all the stories of this murderer. Don't
1: call him that.
2: What is he to you? He's huh? an
1: innocent man, and he must not be found guilty.
2: If you've been following the progress of the trial, you'd realize that... They must find him guilty.
1: I don't care. I know he's
2: innocent. I I think you need a good night's rest. I can't sleep, Joe. I could prescribe pills, but I I just hate to start... No, I know what's wrong with me. Tell me.
1: I can't. I can help you. No one can help me. It's a choice, and I have to make it. Choice? Look, Joe, I've been thinking very clearly... Nothing must happen to hurt George's chance at the nomination. Do you agree? Yes, yes. Now, I'm not saying this selfishly. I'm not thinking of the honor and the acclaim and the power that would come to me as his wife. You have to believe that. But well, I, I believe it, Alice. It's important for him to be nominated and elected. Now, I know I may have called him dull and a stuffed shirt, but the fact is he's honest and decent and fair. You know that, Joe. Well, of course I now, do. Now, the people want him, too. And the people need him. And that's... It's bigger than any personal. Oh, Joe. Joe. what am I going to do?
2: About what?
1: Nothing. <laughs> Nothing.
2: Ladies and gentlemen of the jury, have you arrived at a verdict? We have, Your Honor. We find the defendant guilty. Dick, get her to testify. I can't, Lieutenant. In six days, they throw the switch. I know. Well? Maybe. Maybe, huh? You have this idea. Maybe at the last minute she'll come through. Maybe. I spoke to your lawyer. What good is that going to do? He says you never told him about her. That's right. Tell him now. Why? Why? It gives him grounds to ask for a stay of execution. New evidence he can put in for a new trial. He'll call it a stand. No. Tell me who she is. I can't tell anybody. Why not? It'll destroy too many people. And what would it prove? Uh, I give up. <coughs> who? Oh, what's send her in? Joe. Yes. Alice, what are you doing here? Help me. Now, be 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 careful. Come on, you'll fall. Here, uh, hold on to me. You've got to lie down. Here, on the couch. Here, here. Joe, tonight,
1: less than ten hours from now, tonight... Shh, don't talk. Just rest. Joe, he's going to die. Who's going to die? Dick Scott. Oh. Now, we have to stop it. He was found guilty. But he's innocent. He's had his day in court. No, he didn't.
2: How can you say that? Because... I wasn't there. Alice. Alice, I'm going to put you in the hospital. No. This murder case. Now, don't you see what it's doing to you? I say he did not have his day in court. It is destroying your sanity. I could have saved
1: him. In a time like this. Didn't you hear me? I said I could have saved him.
2: How, Alice?
1: How? I could have testified that at 3 a.m. that morning, he was with me. With you? We must notify the district attorney. Alice. We must tell him Dick Scott is innocent and he was with me. Uh, No, 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 Alice. He, He was not with you. But he was. He
2: was. No, no, you are imagining it. It's true. Why won't you believe me? Because I know what happened. I was there that morning when you heard the news of the robbery and the murder. Now, this triggered a violent and overpowering romantic and erotic response. No. Yes dear Alice. Yes, it happened so many times. It's a classic reaction. show. it's real. It's yeah, real. Of course, of course it is, Alice. To you. And now, dear, you're absolutely exhausted. I must give you something to make you sleep. Hello, Alicia.
1: Hello. Do you know me?
2: Yes. Don't you know me?
1: No. But I should like to know you. Would you? Yes. You're very handsome.
2: They said you'd be sitting out here.
1: I'm always outdoors when it's nice. What are you looking at?
2: Oh, just at you.
1: You're looking at my hair. I know. They tell me that six months ago... It was jet black. Now it's snow white. What's your name? Dick Scott. And why have you come to see me?
2: Because I love you.
1: That's nice. Do you know why I'm here? In this home? No. I think it's because I... did something wrong. I can't remember... Did you ever do anything wrong?
2: Oh, yes, many times. I was a burglar.
1: Oh, that was very wrong. Were you ever caught?
2: Yes. Once.
1: And punished?
2: I was almost finished. What do you mean? I broke into a rich lady's apartment, but I didn't find anything worth stealing, so I left. Later on, someone else came in and killed her. But they thought I did it.
1: Oh, that's terrible.
2: I was found guilty of murder. I was going to be executed. But luckily, the real murderer was caught. And just in time.
1: I would say that was lucky. How did it happen?
2: He had a friend who was in trouble with the police. In order to buy his... Well, to make a better deal for himself, this friend turned him in.
1: There's no honor among thieves, is
2: there? Why is that surprising? There's very little honor to be found anywhere.
1: You look like an honorable man to me.
2: Oh, the nurse, the nurse is motioning to me. I I think visiting hours are over.
1: Oh, please, please don't go. I must. But will you come back? Pr- promise me you'll come back.
2: I'll come back. Every day.
1: You must come back. Because I love you. Do you? I don't know who you are or why I love you, but I do. And I know that I was willing to do something for you. I don't remember what it was, but it was something. Perhaps one day I'll remember.
0: Now, there is a word to conjure with. As Monsieur Francis Rabelais himself said on his deathbed, I go to seek the grand, perhaps. Draw the curtain. The farce is played. Well, we won't draw the curtain just yet. I have another appearance to make, shortly. Our story is titled The Ninth Commandment, which, as you know, says, Thou shalt not bear false witness, which is another way of saying, Thou shalt not tell a lie. However, some of the greatest and most destructive lies have not been stated in words, but have been created by science. The silent lie. The lie that declares louder than a cannon shot that nothing is going on that need bother anyone's conscience. How many silent lies have you heard today? Or told? Our cast included Terry Keene, Michael Toland, and Earl Hammond. The entire production was under the direction of Hyman Brown.
2: And now, a preview of our next pair. Where to this time? Polvar told us to spend the entire dark period at the Q Mine. Uh, We dig from the forward suspension position, maintaining free flow over the area, transferring the ore from the mine surface to the drag train behind us. Like we always do. (laughs) Yes, Sam. Like we always do. Okay. Ready? Power on. Power on. Thrust at 70 degrees. 70 degrees. Fine. Take off for orbit at 2,000 meters over planet surface. Take off for orbit. What Ah! His name is that? Explosion in the oxygen containers. We're losing power. No power. Joe, this is it. We're drift off into space like milkweed. Do something, Joe. We'll be wandering around in space, frozen corpses, in orbit forever.
0: This is Tommy Grimes, inviting you to return to our Mystery Theater for another adventure in the macabre. Until next time, (laughs) pleasant dreams.